It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. All right, welcome uh, aboard. It's uh, a Friday. Uh, Boy, did we have some beautiful (laughs) weather the last couple of days. Uh, And we've got uh, baseball and softball to talk about, of course. Uh, I saw... Two close games. You saw two walk-offs. I did see two walk-offs, and they were very fun. They were very big games, and in both games, you might come away feeling the team that ended up winning maybe didn't play the better game. So over the last two days, our last four games have all been one-run games. However... There were some games that were not one-run games played in the last two days, too. No, no, (laughs) they were not. I'm just going to throw this in uh, now. It doesn't involve teams from our area, but Hazel Park outscored the opposition so far this week. Uh, 66 to six. Yeah. That's in three like games. Max silver softball or something, which I cannot <laughs> they imagine. Won, they won 30 to two yesterday. The highest level of no. softball. I don't think someone's hitting like for the cycle in that game. No, but I, there was a 39, 37 game this week in the Mac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're ever, if you're ever just sitting at your desk, bored out of your mind, just go to the Mac website and go look at like the Mac Silver or in past seasons the Mac Bronze and just go look through the results. A five to three game is an anomaly. <laughs> like it is it's it's really bad in those bottom divisions. Uh, but anyway, yeah, stuff. we had a I had a lot of fun the last couple of days and I had a walk off home run after s- complaining to Dennis back on like Tuesday off the air that I had never actually had a true walk off home run. <laughs> and then I had it. And well, we'll talk and, about and it. And ye shall receive because yes. you have back-to-back walk-off games. Uh, I had back-to-back one-run games that were uh, really fun, and uh, we'll get to all of it starting with uh, Wednesday's games next. Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, like the Nelsons, who cruise around their ranch on a John Deere Gator XUV835R. With 3,000 acres, there's plenty of work to do. It's all about efficiency. That's how they've kept their ranch going for five generations. We wouldn't be in ranching without the Gator. Run with us on a Gator XUV835R and start telling your story. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's locations in Auburn Hills, Badax, Birch Run, Burton, Carrow, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Brady Bean here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Mattress King has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years. With locations in Port Huron, Richmond, Lapeer, Chesterfield, and Hall Road, they are the best one-stop shop for your sleeping and mattress needs. Mattress King carries all the top brands such as Serta, Stearns & Foster, Sealy, iComfort, and Tempur-Pedic. Not only do they have the best prices and best service in the area backed by hundreds of five-star reviews, they also offer interest-free financing and no-credit check programs for those with less than stellar credit. Once you get your mattress, they offer free local delivery on all purchases $6.99 and up. When you think sleep, think Mattress King. 
Dura Clean by Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Dura Clean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Dura Clean by Bachelor, 810-982-7044. 44 Duraclean by Bachelor. Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington. A family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. Dine out with the feel of being at home when you visit the Hogtown Tavern in Melvin. Come for the food and stay for the family atmosphere. Try all of Chef Susie's world-famous homemade soups and sauces. Open Tuesday through Sunday at 8 a.m. for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. The Hogtown Tavern in Melvin also does carry out. Call 810-378-5565. Whether you want a great steak or their delicious fettuccine Alfredo, they have a menu for all tastes with daily specials. So come to the place where no one is a stranger, the Hogtown Tavern in Melvin. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right. Welcome back, uh, Dennis and Brady, Tri-County Equipment, Get Stuck on Sports podcast. Just one softball game on Wednesday, so we'll talk about that first. Frazier beats Port here on Northern in a slugfest, but a close game, 12-11 to 11 was the uh, final in uh, this one, uh, Brady? Um, just s- some numbers uh, for you. Ariana McCann, uh, McMahon, excuse me, had two hits. Becca Larson, three hits, including a double and an RBI. Madison Ramo knocked in four runs with uh, a hit. Uh, Marissa Ramo knocked in three and had two hits. And Anna Hall picked up a couple of hits as well for uh, Port here on Northern in this one. And again, in a high-scoring game, Northern gets shut out in the sixth and seventh innings. Is, is this just coincidence or is this just the happenstance or is there something to the fact that they're putting up double-digit runs but they're getting shut out in the last two to three innings? Yeah, it, it's been a weird pattern. And a lot like, of the time, They score the early picture. and often, and then, yes, uh, something happens or the other team makes an adjustment later in the game. I just find it odd that usually when you get these, it's either one big inning where a team scores – Oh, 10 in one inning, and then they just, okay, the one inning got away. Or it's like three, two, four, one, two, and maybe a, a, a scoreless inning mixed in there. But they're consistently putting across a couple runs. Northern will go like five in the third, four in the second, uh, or five in the third, four in the fourth, two in the fifth, and then nothing the other innings. And it's, I don't know, it's just been a weird pattern that, again, might be coincidence that they've, happened and there's nothing to it but like they're scoring a ton of runs but they're doing it in weird ways yeah uh but again i'm i'm looking for improvement with a young team and the games get more competitive we always find a positive they're just not getting the results right and at a certain point you got to start getting the results too right and the other thing is is that 
Well, earlier in the year, we talked about it. Sydney Betts was not throwing strikes. She's throwing strikes now. And I think we said it on the on a previous show that if she can start figuring out that swing and miss pitch, then give your team a chance because I think only six of these 12 runs were earned. Yeah, that's the other thing. you you got to catch the ball and make plays. Right. So you're starting to throw a little more strikes. You're giving your team a chance, and you're starting to hit the ball a little more. Only a couple, a few weeks left in the season. I want to see that next step. All right. Come, uh, let, let's go to baseball because it was a good day for baseball on Wednesday. There were a lot of close games uh, in the BWAC in particular. Let's start with your game because uh, you had the uh, the second game of the Algonac Elmont series. And after complaining to me that you don't get walk-offs, <laughs> you got your first walk-off. Yeah. Um, after this game was over, Algonac should have just ran, picked up their bags, got off the field, and said, cool, the game's over, we win. Because um, that, was that wasn't even gift wrap. That was like FEMA aid coming in and making <laughs> sure they got it because Almont should have won this game. For basically the whole game, it felt like Almont was out playing them. It started in the first inning. Almont scored first. Uh, Ty Fillinger with two outs in the first. They put the shift on, you know. Scott Thaler is a very analytical coach. They shift more than most teams. And it was weird. He's a right-handed hitter. So they all shift to the left, and they all backed up. So he went, okay, and does the thing that everyone asks someone to do when they shift. They bunt. They bunted him, went right down to first. Cool. Cody Koval then hits a slider into left field. Goes to the left fielder, goes down to an E, plays it perfectly. I don't know if he looked up at the last second, went right between his legs. Scooted all the way to the wall, and Finlinger scores from first. And it's one nothing Almont. And Josh Kasner's on the mound, and you can feel Almont going, oh, we got to him. We got to him early. Yeah. We didn't let him settle in. So it's one nothing Almont. You get to the bottom of the second, same score. Algonac gets the first two runners on. Uh, then there's strikeout and a walk, load the bases. Matt Redmond gets another strikeout. And Ty Schultz hits a chopper to short. Shortstop comes in, picks it up, throws, and go. it is in the dirt, doesn't get the final out. Two runs come across to score, and they get out of the inning. It's 2-1, to one, but should be 1-0. to nothing. Actually, it should be 0-0 zero, zero at this point. Yeah. It's 2-1, to one and we don't have an earned run. Go to the top of the fourth. Josh Kasner's kind of settled in. He's grooving along. He had he had retired six straight, or like seven of eight. Um, Giovanni Morocco hit a double on a ball that I thought was going to be a lazy fly ball that just kept carrying. Start the sec, or start the fourth inning. Cody Koval comes back up. Ash Kasner throws a slider that hangs a bit, and Koval turns on it and puts it over the left field fence. Another home run. Ball carries an Algonac, and it's 2-2, two to two, and Almont is rejuvenated, reinvigorated. They're excited. And Almont can't or Algonac can't find a way to push across another run. Matt Redman worked through a lot of danger, but was able to dance out of it. He went four and two thirds. He walked five, struck out five, didn't give up an earned run. He was he was playing with fire all night and really never got burned. He did a good enough job, gave his team a chance. Cody Koval comes in, keeps giving his team a chance. We go to the top of the sixth. And with two away, Aiden Furkawan comes up to bat. I don't know if he guessed fastball or what, but he guessed fastball, and he turned on one from Kasner, and it was a no-doubt 
bomb over the left field fence. Granted, when someone's throwing 93. Yeah, they, they supply a lot of power for you. You, you barrel it up, <laughs> and especially at Algonac, which I'd say is a hitter's ballpark. In the left field, it's 300 down the line, 326 in the power alley. So you put it 340, 350. Some ballparks, that's allowed out. Algonac, it's a no-doubt home run. And he almost put it off of someone's mobile home in, <laughs> over the left field fence. And now it's 3-2. And after a very, you know, innocuous inning, thinking, all right, it's going to be 2 or going to be 2-2 two, two, going into the bottom of the sixth, Almont's up 3-2. to two. And Almont can smell blood in the water because if Almont wins this game, they are now tied for second in the BWAC. They would be 8-2. and two. Algonac would be 8-2. and two. Richmond would be nine and one because you were up there and yep. they they beat Cross Lex. We'll talk about that, about that in a second, but they still have a series with Richmond, so they would have the BWAC in their hands if they can just finish this off. Get Algonac to go down in the sixth. Uh, it was strikeout, flyout, walk, but Ty Fillinger, really nice catcher for Almont, picks off Sadler at first. Don't know if it was a. Hit and run or something got miscommunicated, but Fillinger saw it, snapped down to first, and got him. And I know when you saw Fillinger, you liked the way he played. Yeah, he's he's a real good catcher. He, he's a good ball player, and both sides of the ball because he's a good hitter. Uh, you know, we read his name a lot uh, in the, on the stat lines, but behind the plate, he does a lot of things that maybe go unnoticed. He blocks balls. Mm-hmm. He gets balls out of the dirt. He's just really good, and he's got a good throwing arm. Obviously, he put it on display there. Right. So that gets him out of the inning. Almont can't put up a run in the seventh, so it's 3-2. to two. Algonac is trailing. Ty Schultz gets hit by a pitch. So lead off man on, and that's the one thing you just cannot do. Josh Kasner comes up. He'd been 0-for-1. He'd walked twice. He hits a major league pop-up. I mean, towering shot that is on the middle of the infield. So normally, and I I know there's a reason why, but I don't like that the pitcher just needs to always get away from the ball, especially in high school, because um, sometimes the pitchers are some of your better athletes and your better fielders. Let them field it. They call off the pitcher. So Koval just gets out of dodge. What you're taught to do, you get called off, you get away. The shortstop and the third baseman both run in. And they must have misread it because they're running in, running in, running in, and it hits on the mound. But there's the runner on first. So Ty He's Schultz, hold up. Yeah, Ty Schultz is five feet off the bag, maybe 10. Like, you have to get a little bit, but it's a pop-up that's 60 feet from home plate. It hits. So he puts his head down, starts going to second. Infielder picks it up, and I think he slipped a little on the mound. Like he was on the first base side, and I think he went to step, and his foot like slipped out from underneath of him because he was on the hill, and he spiked it into second. And now there's runners on first and second with nobody out. And you're going, uh oh, here comes Alkanak. Almont had their chance. Matt Meldrum strikes out. Brandon Williams strikes out. So now there's two on with two away, and now it feels like Algonac's going, oh, no, what do we have to do? Caleb Thomas comes up to bat. Two walks and a strikeout on the day. First pitch he sees, he ropes it into the left center gap. 
There was no chance for anyone to get it. Schultz comes around, and when Kasner scores, the ball wasn't even to the infield. Walk off, double for Algonac, and they steal a game in every sense of the word from Almont, 4-3. to three with a two-out double from Caleb Thomas to give them the win. Uh, he had that with the walk-off. Josh Kasner, this is, keep in mind, this is his worst outing of the year. Six and a third, five hits, two earned runs, a walk and 13 strikeouts. <laughs> that is his worst outing this year. And I do want to give credit to Almont. They had a really nice approach against Kasner. They were, it looked like they were sitting fastball the whole time, and they adjusted well to the breaking ball. They weren't as off-balance as I've seen some other teams. And I thought Almont had some really mature approaches in, in the box. Now, maybe they just guessed right a couple times, like on the fastball. You have to sit fastball because if you're thinking slider or changeup and he throws the fastball, you don't have a chance. So maybe they, they fooled me, but I thought they did a really nice job um, – attacking Kasner, but man, Almont should have won this game. They were the better team on Wednesday, and Algonac escaped, and I think the biggest difference is Almont's a team that maybe was, the moment got a little too big. Uh, they weren't expected to be there, so they got to that point, and it was almost like they were surprised they were winning in the seventh, and they're going, all right, we got to do this, we got to do this, and Algonac just had that mentality, all right, we're going to win. We're going to win. Just keep it going. Keep it going. And even with the back-to-back strikeouts, Caleb Thomas, maybe not the the typical approach you'd tell a guy to have in that situation, swinging at the first pitch, but he was right, and he's the hero for Algonac. Yeah, uh, and, and again, good teams figure this stuff out, and if you just open it a crack for them, They'll push it wide open, and, and that's what Algonac does. This isn't the first time we said, ooh, somebody had a chance, yeah, th- this but is, nobody can ever seem to This was to the Cross-Lex game, except the two doubles Cross-Lex hit uh, for Almont. They were home runs. That was the difference. That one, I think it was Monzo and maybe Hosterman or whoever else hit, hit the two that hit off the fence. Uh, those two went over the fence for Almont, and that was the difference. And... Yeah, uh, I think Algonac knows it was a gift, and I don't think they're going to complain, nor should they. No. But, wow, if they end up getting even a share of the league title, this is the game they're going to look back at and go, man, we got a little bit of luck in there. And for Almont, that it kind of crushes their league title hopes because now you're 7-3 and three and you're Almont. You're two games back. So, okay, what do you need to have happen? Well, you got to sweep Richmond, who I believe that's the last series of the year for Almont. But you also need Algonac to lose two games. Probably not losing two games to MLA City. So who would they have to lose two games to? North Branch. But who's 8-2 and two in BWAC play? North Branch. So now you're sitting in fourth, and you feel like you're close, but the way the schedule works out, for all intents yeah, and purposes, the schedule works against you. you're eliminated. Because if one team gets knocked off, that means the other team's winning. And But if you win this game, you're 8-2. and two. You, Algonac, and North Branch are all 8-2. and two, And you don't care what the other teams do. If you go 4-0 and oh down the stretch, you are, at worst, tied for BWAC champions. 
Yeah. Uh, and this was big for Algonac in the sense that Richmond, like maybe 15 minutes before the Algonac game ended, Richmond won up the Crosslex four to three. So, and I'm sure everybody knew that score. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if they were checking it in there. I know I was certainly updating going, all right, because if Crosslex were to pull that comeback off, now Almont's going, we could be in first place by the end of this game. We could, we could really take a stranglehold and really surprise everyone, but I know game one got away from Algonac, from Almont a little bit. Algonac took it to them pretty well. I, I don't know if Almont's quite to that level of those teams. They certainly played well against Algonac, but Almont is certainly closer to the top half teams than they are the bottom half. Like, if they split with North Branch or they split with Richmond, I wouldn't be surprised. Might be a little surprised if they sweep, but both those teams better be ready to go against Almont because they have decent pitching. And again, I was really impressed by their mature approach at the plate with Kasner on the mound. And again, six innings with 13 strikeouts and only two earned runs. You go, well, come on, that wasn't that great of a line, but they they did what they needed to do when they needed to do it, and they put some nice swings on the ball. And I think that's the first time Kasner's been been chased by pitch count in a game. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was up in Croswell. Richmond wins this game four to uh, three. Drew Osterman. Uh, started for the Pioneers. He had a rough first inning, and then he actually settled in and pitched a really good ball game. He held the Blue Devils to three hits. They had two in the first inning. Uh, Game starts with an error. There's a hit by pitch, a double steal that worked, and then Bryce Wesley lined a right center field double that scored uh, two. He ended up uh, over at third on a wild pitch, but uh, Hosterman struck out Jones and Lowers, but then Esslink lined a single into right to drive in the third run. Uh, so it's 3 nothing after one inning of play, and, you know, at, at that point you're like, ooh, you know, Richmond came to play today and Drew might not have it. Right, because he's had performances where he's dueled with North Branch, and he's had performances where he gets chased fairly quickly. Well, he he settled down because in the second inning he threw about eight pitches and got a one, two, three. That yeah. and that's what you need to do, and that's kind of the second time Croslex has done this. Remember last week against Algonac, the first three batters of the game all scored, and it's three nothing, and then Algonac didn't score the rest of the game. Yeah, so he he actually retired seven in a row. And in the top of the uh, fourth, Esslink got his uh, second uh, hit. Um, uh, he's the catcher, so they ran for him. There was a stolen base, a wild pitch, and a walk. So you've got nobody out and runners at the corners. Anthony Benetti hits a fly ball to medium depth center field. The runner at first, it must have been a hit and run. He was he, he was three quarters of the way to second on a routine pop fly to center. So there was runners on first and third. You said, yeah, maybe he was just a straight steal, and the batter didn't get the sign and, and swung anyway. Because that sometimes I know, depending on the coach, sometimes when you get the steal sign, that implies a take for the batter. Well, the the center fielder Davis makes the catch, sees the runner is already at standing at second. Right. So he throws back to first, and they get a double play. 
<laughs> on the play, the runner from third obviously tags and scores the fourth run. Right, and takes an RBI away from the poor batter yeah, who, yeah, did, be, who because did the, the job he needed to do. He doesn't get the RBI for the double play. You know, I'm not sure that the that Benetti's fly ball was deep enough to score the run, though. Really? So the double play maybe got Richmond a run? I mean, it's, it's a hard play to judge, but there was definitely a base running mistake. Right. But when it all was said and done, that fourth run ended up being the difference in the game. So it's it, it, it's a weird kind of thing where I think Richmond screwed up, but by screwing up, it won them the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, that would be weird. One you'd have to talk to Coach Evans and see what was on at that time. Yeah. So And he wasn't happy after this game. Uh, in the fourth inning, Crosslex scored all of their runs. But, again, it was one of those twilight zone innings. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we start, Jet Weeder gets a single. So, okay. Then there's a walk to Nolan Moore. There's a single from Benny Mendoza. Weeder gets thrown out at the plate. Great throw by Jackson Jones. A dart. A lot of people were coming up to me. I was right behind home yeah. plate. Uh, Lance Campbell was at yeah. the game. He was down the line. He said, from where I was at, he looked like he was safe. And I'm like, Lance, it was a bang-bang play but I think it was the right call. So it wasn't a bad send or anything. It was just no, it, you tip your cap to Jackson Jones yeah. and say, you know what, if you can make that throw, good on you. Yeah, he, he threw he threw a clothesline into the plate. Esslink was positioned well to put the tag down, and like it was boom, boom, but I, I think the umpire made the, the right call. So still no runs in, but now after all of that, you've got runners at second and third with one out. Next batter is struck out. So Scaramazuno's at the plate now, second and third, two outs, looking for the big hit. Swings and misses at a ball in the dirt for strike three. The ball ends up back at the backstop. Scaramazuno's safe at first, runner from third scores. Now it's first and third, and it's four to one. Runner takes second base without a throw, so now it's second and third with Two outs. Inning should be over. Right. Should be 4 nothing Richmond, and they're coming to bat in the fifth. But now it's 4-1, two runners in scoring position. Benny Mendoza, he hit it hard, but he hit it right at the second baseman, and it goes right through the five hole. Two runs in. It's a 4-3 game. And Croslex had one hit in the inning, and that guy got thrown out at the plate. <laughs> so it was just one of those weird innings. And then... Nothing the rest of the way. The The line is four runs, three hits, two errors for Richmond. Three runs, six hits, two errors for Croslex. It was an even game, but it wasn't an even game. Right. But it was, you know, Pioneers had one bad inning. Richmond had one bad inning. And then there was the bizarre double play fly ball sacrifice fly play. That's the difference in the game. Right. And... Yeah, it just seemed like it was a weird day one, yeah. and I didn't think this would be that close. Anything Anyways, else? On Van, yeah, Van Slambrook and Hosterman each pitched well. Uh, Grant went six innings, no no earned runs, six hits, a walk, seven Ks, and uh, Drew ended up going six and two-thirds, one earned run, three hits, four walks, six Ks. He also had two hits, including a, uh, a double in that one. So um, in the end, Richmond got the win that they needed, but uh, it, it was 
a, a different kind of game. So North Branch beats Armada five to four. They get out out hit eight to two. Or so Armada finally gets the sticks together, <laughs> but they make three errors and they walk Against good pitching. They walk five guys. And North Branch took advantage of it and gets a five to four win against again an Armada team that's scrappy. Like I don't think they're gonna win a district. I don't think they're gonna do any make any huge noise, but on any given day this Armada team can beat somebody and North Branch almost found that out the hard way. In fact, they were down four to three in the fifth before they pushed across two runs. The only really the notable hits, Aiden Swash had a hit in an RBI, Keegan Scherlinger had a hit in an RBI. That was it for North Branch. Armada actually got the sticks out. Ryan Ching had two hits. Zach Marcy had two hits, drove in two. And Callahan Bolin had two hits in an RBI. You love that name. I do like that. Is a good baseball name. Um, and Better than Giovanni Morocco? I don't know about that one, but they're, they're both good <laughs> baseball names. But 5-4 North Branch wins, and they stay alive. And how differently is this show going right now if, like, Half a dozen plays over these three games are flipped. Yeah, the, like the, Alma, the three teams that are supposed to win won, but the three teams that weren't supposed to win probably should have. And, right? And you know the three coaches of the three teams that were supposed to win are probably sitting there the next day going, oh, my God, we played terrible. What are we going to do when we play? Like We can't play like that. And they're all going, wow, we're, we're not playing well. And yet all the results that we thought would happen happened – but, man, what are we talking about if Croslex upset Richmond, Almont just makes one more play in the seventh against Algonac, and Armada doesn't make a few errors against North Branch? And now the BWAC, well, I guess you'd kind of be the, in the, the same The league would spot, still be in the same situation. Almont would be sitting real pretty. Yeah. That would be the only difference is Almont would be right there for the taking with with two series to go. Yeah, they'd also all of a sudden become the favorite. Yeah, because you're looking at it and they're going, all right, everyone has at least two losses. North Branch just lost their third. I mean, they, they control their own destiny to win it, or at least get a share of the league title. Um, Yale played MLA City. They got the 4 to nothing win. Kazan Morton had two hits and an RBI. Connor Jakubiak, two more hits. Cole Peltier, a hit and an RBI. Nolan Ramo doubled in a run. And Aiden Carolden went seven innings. Just one hit, didn't walk anyone. Fanned 13 in the victory. Wow. That's, that's a good pitching. That is a pretty good pitching performance. And Yale at least got a couple of much-needed wins uh, over MLA City. They had been struggling. They haven't put up big runs, but... Just to get a few wins makes you feel a little better uh, down the stretch because they have Richmond next week, and Richmond is a pretty solid ball club. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of MAC games. Gross Point North shut out St. Clair 4 to nothing. Braden Schulk uh, had a, a double in that one for the uh, the Saints, but they really didn't have much uh, offense, and, and actually the numbers for this uh, series weren't very good for them, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, when we do baseball in the next segment. And Marine City uh, beat Lakeshore 7 nothing. The, the Mariners just keep on keeping on. How about Cooper Letson with four hits, a double, and two RBIs in that win? Marine City can hit, and apparently they can pitch because they shut down Lakeshore, which I guess coming into the week was like averaging 10 runs a game or something. Listen, they're not a terrible hitting team, but... 
They shouldn't be averaging <laughs> 10 <laughs> runs a game. Like, Marine City's pitching is good enough for what they have at the plate. Like, it'll help win them a league title. Uh but it shouldn't be shutting down what I think was the number three offense by runs per game in Division One. Like, yeah, Lakeshore's numbers were a little inflated. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a lot more baseball because there were several games played yesterday. So in segment two, we'll go right back to baseball and uh, yesterday's uh, games when we come back. Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, like the Nelsons, who cruise around their ranch on a John Deere Gator XUV835R. With 3,000 acres, there's plenty of work to do. It's all about efficiency. That's how they've kept their ranch going for five generations. We wouldn't be in ranching without the Gator. Run with us on a Gator XUV835R and start telling your story. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's locations in Auburn Hills, Badax, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. What passions do you want to pursue next in life? Do you want to be a sculptor, a volunteer, teach your grandkids to fish? Your Ameriprise financial advisor, Dave Betts, can help you plan for the life you want today and well into the future. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Dave Betts at 810-987-5370. Offices located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Mattress King has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years. With locations in Port Huron, Richmond, Lapeer, Chesterfield, and Hall Road, they are the best one-stop shop for your sleeping and mattress needs. Mattress King carries all the top brands such as Serta, Stearns & Foster, Sealy, iComfort, and Tempur-Pedic. Not only do they have the best prices and best service in the area backed by hundreds of five-star reviews, they also offer interest-free financing and no-credit check programs for those with less than stellar credit. Once you get your mattress, they offer free local delivery on all purchases $6.99 and up. When you think sleep, think Mattress King. Preferred Seamless Gutters in Emily City has been family-owned and operated since 1997. In-house employees, when you call Preferred, you get Preferred. At Preferred, they manufacture all components, making them the warehouse. This ensures prompt installation from Preferred's well-trained and courteous staff, serving St. Clair, Sanilac, Genesee, and northern Macomb counties. Give Melissa a call and she'll be happy to schedule a quote. No high-pressure sales, just great service from Preferred Seamless Gutters in Imlay City. Call 800-964-6613 today. Shopping for a vehicle the last two years has been frustrating for all of us. Inflated prices and misleading ads that waste your time and money. Look no further than Jepson Car Company. Located at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair, Jepson Car Company is St. Clair County's most transparent dealership. At Jepson, the price you see on a vehicle is the price you pay. No hidden fees or misleading rebates. When you need your next vehicle, stop by Jepson Car Company today. This is Nash Phillips. I'm a class of 2022 senior and varsity football player at Port Huron High. As a Port Huron School student, I get to experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region. The district provides personal success for all students because each Port Huron School's journey is unique and special. I know I'm supported by my teachers and everyone in the district, both in the classroom and on the football field. I also know they care about my well-being each and every day. Port Huron Schools have prepared me for anything I choose to do with my future. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your 
schools, your sports. All right, welcome back, uh, and let's get right back into the uh, baseball as uh, PH beat Lance Cruz yesterday. How about them big reds? They finally put a game together. Yeah. And it wasn't their best pitching performance, but they can hit, and it seems like they just didn't make the critical error, or if there was a rough inning, it never got away from them because that has been what's what's hurt them. They went up 5 nothing in this game, uh, ended up winning 10-8, they gave up two in the second, three in the fourth, four in the th- or two in the fourth, excuse me, and then shut out Lance Cruz the last three innings. Uh, Colton Barnett four hit day for him. He's been a decent batter out of the de- out of the leadoff spot for Port Huron. Gavin Troy three hits a double, another home run. I don't think Lance Cruz has the biggest field, so I don't like. I don't think he hit it four hundred feet. He could have, but yeah. um, he's got power. Yeah, I think. Schrader hit one of his home runs at, at Lance Cruz as well, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe they haven't played him yet, and I'm making that up. I do that sometimes. <laughs> uh, he had two RBIs. Gavin DeLong had two hits. Joey Seppo had two hits and three RBIs. Jackson Sherada hitting an RBI. And Derek Gorsowitz, I think I said that right. Yeah, you got it. Two hits and an RBI. That's one you look at and you go, how the hell do I say this name? But then you break it down, and it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, but 10-8, Port Huron gets a win. And what I hope that does for PH is it just gives you a little bit of positive momentum. And, hey, you finally you took the lead in the game, and you held on to the lead in the game, and you get the win. Uh, hopefully that is positivity moving forward for PH. Not much going on for uh, Northern against yeah, Frazier. They lose 12-5. to and they, in these three games, I mean, not exactly the closest games in a series where they had to have it. They lost the one game 8-7, to seven, but they get swept by Frazier. Alex Armstrong did have a double and two RBIs. Tucker Corby drove in a run as well with a base knock. But Northern needed to have a big showing in this series, and frankly, they laid an egg. Yeah. Like that's it was disappointing because hey, they had battled through the Port Huron series against a rival. That's not always the easiest thing to do. Remember a couple years ago, a PH team that was not as talented as this one stole a game at Northern out of nowhere. And just when those two teams play in anything, it's going to be intense. But uh now you're out of the league race. You're seven and five, Lakeview's nine and one, so you are mathematically eliminated like well I guess technically not because Lakeview could they have a makeup game they could lose all four but Hmm. for all intents and purposes you're now out of the Mac blue race Uh, Lakeview had it going on this week against Mary so two teams played a 17-hour game yesterday that just ended a few minutes ago you're not kidding (laughs) oh my god I'm like 20 to 9 20 to 9 Lakeview beats Marysville and it's how it's worked for Marysville, it I feels football the last was two years. in August. They can only pull two levers at the same time, or sometimes one. Whether if they're hitting, they're not pitching. If they're pitching, they're not fielding or hitting. And earlier in this week, they had played some pretty clean, competitive games. A three nothing loss, where the kid from Lakeview, from what I heard, was just on that day. He's a really nice pitcher, and then they lose five to three. So two well played yeah. competitive like those are good baseball games. 
don't come out on the right end of it, but you feel, all right, we're moving in the right direction. I know the late, the one uh, inning against Lakeview where they only put like two balls in play and scored four runs wasn't the best, but that's hopefully the blip. And then you score nine runs, which is, hey, that's the good news. The bad news is you gave up 20, including 11 in the top of the fourth. Wow. So Marysville... I mean, Marysville and Lakeview were tied at five going into the fourth inning, and then it got away from them. Uh, For Marysville in this game, R.J. Clark had another pair of doubles. When he's on, he's on, and he's had a pretty nice week despite the three losses. Yeah, he homered earlier in the week. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Smith had a hit in an RBI. Connor Randall a hit in an RBI. But, man, Marysville just – that one hurts. And when I got done – with my softball game. So they both started at 4.30. Softball may have started a couple minutes early. Doesn't matter. I had a 15-run game, right? So it's not, I didn't have your softball game where it's one to nothing. <laughs> I went two hours on the broadcast. I got done, did the post game, chatted with a couple people before I headed out. As I'm walking to my car at Marysville, the baseball game's in the top of the fourth. That's a long, That's a long day. game. Oh, and I'm just going, whoo. Yeah, those are those are the tough ones. And then they only ended up going five innings. But uh yeah, that's a that's one Marysville needs to bounce back from again. I just I wanna see a little bit of conviction from that dugout in Marysville. Kind of the same thing with PH someone just kind of needs to be a red ass and not let those innings get away from them at times because, yeah, Marysville, I, they have some nice pieces, but they just can't seem to put it all together at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you a stat line, and then you're not going to believe me when I tell you the result. Yeah, and th- yeah, there's something else I want to talk about about this, this game you're about to talk about too, but go ahead. Braylon Essien, seven innings pitched. No runs, five hits, two walks, ten strikeouts, and the Saints lose by seven in eight innings. Yeah. Seven to nothing, gross point south wins. Braylon Essien pitches a gem. They just, St. Clair was held to two hits in this game, and apparently the eighth inning is St. Clair's Achilles heel because they played, what, two extra inning games in league play, and in those two games they've been outscored 15-2. to two. That's, I don't know if they run out of gas or emotionally a young team's trying to fight the roller coaster, but Gross Point North is a good team and they fought hard and that's a nice performance by a senior in Braylon Essien, but it just seems like Gross Point North was dealing both Hill kids pitched for them yeah. and they're really good. Yeah, they saved their best two pitchers for the last game of the series, but in this series... And Essien went toe-to-toe with them. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Essien gave, gave you a game, and you just figure out a way to score a run in seven innings, and you get a win. But in the 22 innings played uh, in this series, the Saints were shut out in 21 of the 22 innings. They scored four runs in game one, and they all came in the fourth inning of that game, which they lost back on Monday, which seems... That game seems like it was three weeks ago. I know. 11-4 to four was the final. So uh, the, the St. Clair bats were primarily quiet in this series. 
All and right. they get shut out in the last two games. So I wanted to talk about St. Clair for a minute because in the MAC, obviously, you can move up and down and you can be in different leagues. And St. Clair has lost now six straight, eight of nine in MAC white play. And there might be some people thinking, well, why are they in the white? They're a smaller school. Go down to the blue. But if they're in the blue, kind of feel like St. Clair dominates that league. And Lakeview's solid. Frazier's pretty good. But against the other area teams, I mean, they played Northern once and they beat them up. I don't think that would happen every time. But I think St. Clair kind of runs the blue, but up in the white with a younger team maybe punching a bit too far above their weight class. They're kind of stuck in this purgatory where they're really good in the blue and they play some teams that maybe wouldn't prepare them as well for the postseason there. But if they're in the white... They're playing teams that are really, really good and can beat up a young team and maybe knock down the confidence. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you yeah. don't type of situation. Well, there just seem right now there seems to be a gap between the white and the blue. There does, and it's a little, the, it's a little further than it the, normally is. The blue is a bit down, yeah, right now, and it doesn't help that Northern is. Is good, but they're not really, really solid. Uh, Marysville hasn't had that mojo since the 21 season where they probably could have competed in the white with their pitching. Yeah, that pitching staff um, is nuts. And, yeah, they there is that big gap, it does feel like right now, between the white and the blue. Some non-conference baseball action, this time in the BWAC. Cross-Lex beats Frankenmuth 2-1, to one, a walk-off error for Cross-Lex. <laughs> Take only, it how you can get it. They only get two hits, but they beat Frankenmuth, and that's a pretty darn good team they beat. Yep. And then Frankenmuth got mad and won 15-6 in Game 2. Drew Hosterman had two hits in an RBI in the nightcap. Nolan Moore, a hit in two RBIs, and Jet Weeder doubled for Cross-Lex. But it's, it's nice to see Cross-Lex get a win. They feel like a team that just needs to see themselves on the right side of the scoreboard. And against a good team like Frankenmuth, hopefully they can build up. I knew at the beginning of the season they knew they had a young team and they need to work their way so they're playing their best baseball come district time. Yeah. You do the Almont because I'm doing the last one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I will save the last one for you. <laughs> Almont uh, splits a doubleheader with Avondale. They lose game one nine to nothing, despite uh, two hits and a double from Ty Fillinger. And in game two, Giovanni Morocco, maybe yes. your favorite name, two hits, a double, an RBI. Cody Koval a hit in an RBI. Jason Lane, three hits with a double and two RBIs. And Max Koskinen had a couple of base knocks. And now Dennis... Your favorite score of the of the year and your new favorite team, the Richmond Blue Devils, because of what they did here. Yes, uh, great job to uh, Coach Evans, our area coach of the year. Dennis is declaring it just because <laughs> of this game. Richmond twenty one, Bishop Foley. They did give up a safety here. Uh, Bishop Foley two. Way to go, Blue Devils. Colton Bartels, two hits, two RBIs. Charlie Hitzelberger, my new favorite player, four hits, three RBIs. Bryce Wesley had a hit and knocked in uh, two. Jackson Jones with two hits and three RBIs. Anthony Benetti doubled in a run. Luke Pistuchin with a hit and an RBI. Skyler Lowers had a double. Grant Van Slambrook had a hit and an RBI. Anthony Schroeder had two hits and knocked in three. Logan Evans 
runs with a hit and three RBIs. Trey Taylor knocks in the other two runs. 21 runs, 21 RBIs for the Blue Devils. Again, with game changers, sometimes that's maybe not the most accurate, but with Richmond, they're usually pretty on it. Like when we're at a game and we look back at it, we usually agree on most things. Um, so even if it's 18 RBIs, that's still a ton of RBIs. I th- I'd have given them credit for 30. We need to get like a little award that you send to schools whenever they beat Bishop Foley in a sport. <laughs> like you need to I send wore, them like uh, popsicles or something. I, I wore this. This you is are a gift wear, from Bishop Foley. You are wearing your it's Bishop a very Foley, nice shirt, but uh, uh, but I actually wore it to honor Richmond's win. Yes, you. <laughs> also, shout out to my uh, to, to Stefani who just stepped down as the Bishop Foley coach. He was the only person Dennis liked there. Yes, good coach. So if you're looking for a basketball coach, yeah. Well, yeah, or yeah, good guy. But wanted to give him a little love. A a listener of the podcast, and hopefully he still is, even though he stepped away from coaching Bishop Foley. Maybe we can get him to one of the good guys up here, and he can go on the offensive of your brigade against your alma mater. (laughs) I like it. All right, we're going to take a break because there was lots of softball yesterday, and we'll get to that in uh, just a moment because, again, Brady finally got to see a walk-off home run, and I had a rare one nothing game, Uh, so we'll get to that in a moment. Brady Bean here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, overhead doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, call 810-987-2185. We welcome you to make Port Huron Schools your district of choice. Your child will experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region at Port Huron Schools. We specialize in providing personalized success for all students because each Port Huron Schools journey is unique and special. This year, more than ever, we truly appreciate our families and would like to thank them for their continued support. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Finding that missing shin guard, remembering whether it's a home or away game, getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things, like not being that fan. Oh, come on, ref. That's simple human sense. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, you're back. We had lots of softball yesterday, too. Before we get to what we saw, Brady, 
Um, a couple of our area teams in the MAC just went off yesterday. PH swept a doubleheader over Cousineau and scored 37 runs in the process. Yep. 21 to 1 in the opener, 16 to 7 in the second uh, game. Um, and this is league play, isn't it? Yeah, this is league play. Like they so didn't go obviously, down. Cousineau's down because a lot of years Cousineau would do this to the teams when they'd come up here. Yeah, they've never really had pitching, but they've always had hitting. Yeah. Well, they didn't have either against the Big Reds yesterday. In the first game, Bryn Mullins had two hits in an RBI. Neely Reed had three hits in an RBI. Izzy Trombley had three hits and three RBIs. Jordan Fiedler doubled and knocked in two. That might have been their only extra base hit, too, yeah, they in did. all of this. Apparently, they just had a ton of singles yeah. in, in these games, which, hey, Making contact. Kalen Struthers with a hit and two RBIs. Kendall Mitchell had three hits and an RBI. Riley Thompson with two hits, two RBIs. And uh, Eliana Arnold had uh, two RBIs in the game. One win. Mullins with a hit and two RBIs in game two. Uh, Reed had three hits, two RBIs. Trombley, two hits, a double and two RBIs. Struthers with two hits, two RBIs. And Cami Trendy had a hit and knocked in uh, two. So it was nice to see the Big Reds get loose because they're going to need to hit uh, today because they've got Armada coming in for a doubleheader and Armada can swing. But still, for a young team to – I don't care who it is. It's got to feel good to just body slam a team yeah. twice in league. Yeah. Like to come in, I think they played the – oh, they went down to Cousineau to play both these games. So you go somewhere – and you put up 37 runs, and everyone is gets the turn at the plate. There's a fight at the bat rack, and PH, uh, yeah, that that's good for a young team. And, hey, not a bad Thursday for Port here on ball clubs, yeah. huh? 3-0. Yeah, and, and and Marine City went off, too, yesterday. They beat yeah. Lance Cruz 20-4. They, yeah, they didn't even have the high watermark for runs in a game, but Marine City just kind of goes about their business and suplexes teams. Yeah. How about Jade Blanchard's day? Whoo, you're not kidding. Five hits, three doubles, four RBIs. Maya Simons had a hit in RBI. Alyssa Chartier a hit in three RBIs. Uh, Kaylee uh, Gemetti had a hit and drove in two. Graceland Hobbs, two hits, three RBIs. And uh, Lily Golm had uh, two RBIs in that win. So those were the big lopsided wins well, in the match for our you area You know what teams. the weird part is, and I'm just double-checking this, I'm 99% sure Marine City's only loss has been to Cousineau. A couple weeks oh, back. in league? Yeah, yeah, in league. That's the only team they've dropped to. Which would be weird. Um, and I, we have to figure out when they play Frazier. I don't think that's till the end of the uh, regular season because right now Frazier's seven and one in league. I think Marine City has beat them once, and Marine City's six and one in league play. So, so that's Marine the City big showdown. Could go back to back in the blue. Speaking of big showdowns, I was excited for this game, uh, Marysville and Saint Clair. I was excited that they finally had uh, one that they played. Well, this this isn't the cursed game. <laughs> this was originally <laughs> scheduled for this date. Because this was supposed to be the second time around that they played each other. <laughs> the first time around has been scheduled, I believe, five or six different times due to weather or umpires or, I don't know, the Loch Ness Monster was patrolling the field or something. <laughs> they just have not been allowed to play. 
So St. Clair and Marys will play. And just talking to both coaches before the game in the in the in the box with Jamie Kane, and we're just talking and we're going, I have no idea what to expect. This game could have ended up two to one. Wouldn't have been surprised. Could have ended up thirteen to twelve. Wouldn't have been too surprised. If one team took control and won by five, six runs, don't think I would have been too surprised. Like Everything was on the table for this game. And in the bottom of the first inning, after Marysville got out, got out of a jam, three unearned runs scored uh, with the bases loaded. Ryan Quain got on, on an error. And then Emma Curtis hit a ground ball where the second baseman, Saros, tried to tag the person running to the second and missed just enough and Curtis is not a slow one so by the time you just reach out lunge and then turn and throw to first Curtis was safe and it's three to nothing and you're going oh Marysville they they had a cr- an opening and they took it and now it's going to be tough for St. Clair to claw back nope uh single for Saros to lead off the inning but then two ground outs and looks like a pretty innocuous inning Peyton Malcolm doubled in a run so it's three to one Walk, walk, bases loaded. Hadley Schwarz up the middle for two RBIs. Claire Borg with the hit for two RBIs, or for one RBI, excuse me. And it's four to three St. Clair. And you're going, okay, now it's Marysville's that chasing. Had a scoreless third. St. Clair adds one in the fourth with an error on a fly ball that just hit the right fielder in the glove. But I did get to have a 9-2-6 put out because Schwarz <laughs> kept running and tried to get to second on the throw home. And credit to Lexi Perrin. She put it right on the money. And Winston was there, put the tag down, and it was a nice play. But it's 5-2-3, bottom of the fifth, Marysville, able to finally scrap across a couple runs after Claire Borg had really settled in in the second, third, and fourth inning she had only given up one base runner, and that was a single to Ryan Quain. Everything else had been pretty quiet contact. And for a power pitcher in Claire Borg, she wasn't getting a lot of strikeouts. Like usually when you think hard throwers, uh, overwhelming pitchers, you think high strikeout numbers. Mm-hmm. She was, I don't know if she was pitching the contact, but Marysville was making contact and wasn't hitting her particularly hard. But a leadoff uh, single from Avery Woodard, Megan Winston got on. And then Avery Wolters reached on an error. A couple runs come into score on a Callista Nagan uh, fly ball that was dropped for an error. So Marysville makes it five to five in the bottom of the fifth. And you're going brand new ball game. It's a two inning game. Go to the top of the sixth. Peyton Malcolm walks. Another walk from Tabitha Furlan. And Hadley Schwarz reaches on an error, which scores a run. So it's a, not a very cleanly played game. But one thing I like about Ryan Ratchie and what he did as he trusted his pitcher, Ryan Quain. She struggled, especially in the second inning, but he he just has a calming presence. And he does a nice job instilling confidence in players. And I thought there was a couple times, all right, here comes the hook, because he has two other pitchers that can come in and would give him a chance to win the game. He trusted Quain. I don't know what the conversations were at the uh, on the mound or in between innings, but as the game got on, Quain got better, and she really settled in. But it was 6-5 St. Clair after the top of the sixth. Marysville uh, gets a runner on in the sixth, can't do anything with it. So we head to the bottom of the seventh. 6-5. 
St. Clair's on top. Megan Winston reaches on an error. And what did we learn from the Algonac Almont baseball game? You open the door. You can't let the tying run get on. So Avery Wolters comes up. And on Tuesday, she had some nice swings. She just was underneath a few pitches, popped out. She was 0 for 3 today with a pop-out, reached on an error. But I'm like, man, she's been swinging well. I think I said it would be a great time for her first hit. Second pitch she sees, absolutely belts it right down the left field line. I, it was no question if it was going to get over the fence because – it was a moonshot. The only question was fair or foul. So she hits it. I go to look out because at Marysville, you're on the third base yeah. side, just barely. So if you look out the window, you can see basically until the foul pole, so you're cut off. So I'm looking out. <laughs> Jamie Kane got excited. He went to look out and hit his head on the window <laughs> trying to get his head. <laughs> it was pretty funny, but it, it was an exciting play. So the girls are starting to come out of the dugout. They're all looking. And we all look at the umpire, and he's just staring at it. And the girls are like, do do we go to home plate? And we're looking, and I'm waiting for either no, foul, or yes, and put the the arm up. And he just goes, fair ball. (laughs) And, like, he doesn't do the round the bases signal. He just, like, like someone asked him where uh, the nearest uh, grocery store is, and he just went over there. And he just points fair <laughs> like it's a little bunt single that landed on the line. He goes, mm, fair. And then everyone goes crazy and Walters rounds the bases for a walk-off blast. And Marysville maybe didn't play better than St. Clair, but got the win. Neither side played a clean game by any means. I expect well, round It sounded like both teams gifted each other a lot of runs. Yeah. Um but it was a really fun game, and I'd l- I'm really excited for this rematch in a couple of weeks just to see where they're at because I think both teams knew it was a big game and had a little bit of nerves. And usually the second time around, that calms down. But it was a lot of fun, and Walters was the hero with the walk-off home run. Thanks, Avery. You're- that was the first walk-off, true walk-off home run. I've had a couple home runs that have made it mercies, yeah. but I've never had a game-winning home run in the bottom of the seventh, and they didn't waste any time. And, yeah, that was – it was annihilated. But if you're the umpire – listen, I know being an umpire isn't the most glamorous job. You take a lot of crap <laughs> from parents and idiots like me that, you know, eh, maybe. But you get a walk-off run and it's going down the line, sell the call, man. <laughs> like, either go, yes, home run, or no, foul, don't – like, seriously. It was like, which way's here on? And he went, that way. Like pointing in the right direction. Because I can't see the foul pole. So usually, like, when you get blocked off with some of our views, either you look at, like, an outfielder to see what they're doing or you look for the umpire. So as soon as I lose view, I look immediately at the umpire. And he's just standing there like, oh, that ball's going a long way, isn't it? Oh, wow. Oh, I need to make a call? Eh, Fair. And it was like, because all the Marysville dugout had like come halfway out and then they stopped for a second waiting for the call to be made. And then, yeah, it was the most nonchalant, whatever, Joe Buck in the Super Bowl affair. (laughs) Oh, and it's caught by David Tyree. 
That was that was the energy I got. So bitter. He's he's a lot better now with football, but man, you ruined the best moment in Super Bowl history. Um. Anyway, completely off topic. Both these teams <laughs> really solid. Both these teams can hit. The final stat lines: Maddie Cole had two hits for St. Clair. Hadley Schwarz had a hit and drove in two. Claire Borg with a hit and an RBI. Peyton Malcolm had a double and drove in a run. Avery Woodard two hits. Avery Wolters had the game-winning home run, and Lexi Perrin with a hit and an RBI. Um, yeah, I think both these teams are solid. Um, I want to. I really just want to see this rematch like tomorrow, because this is a potential <laughs> district final. We talked about it yep. last show. Um, these two teams could be meeting for a district final, and as talented as these two teams are, could be for whoever ends up at the quarterfinal. Because I think these two teams are very talented. But, man, I, I'm going to chalk it up to nerves. Because I think both teams knew it was a big game. And there was a, I don't think either side would say they played better than a B-minus game. All right. Well, I saw two real good teams. Yes, you did. Algonac and Dakota. What, what's Dakota? They're ranked number one? They were no, – let me just double-check, but I'm almost positive um, that they were number – one in Division One. Um, went last time I saw with the uh, rankings, as it doesn't want to pop up right now. All right, <laughs> of course. Let's it see. Okay, yeah, they were number one in Division One, so the biggest division and the best team in that division. And and Algonac is obviously uh... Algonac is only well now up to number two after North Branch beat. Calvin Christian, they flip flop those two. Yeah, uh, the, they'll be number one after this one. Would be my guess, because this is the second year they in a row. Should have been number one before that. Yeah, well, this is the second year in a row that they have beaten Dakota one to nothing. They did it a little differently this year because last year they were actually no hit and won one to nothing. Uh, this year they they splurged and got three hits, <laughs> but they got the big one they needed. Yeah, so let, let's talk about how, how this game went. Scoreless through three. Kennebaugh Marito's stat line through three. Nine up, nine down. Uh, ground ball, strikeout, ground ball. Strikeout, ground ball, strikeout, strikeout, ground ball, ground ball through the first three innings. She was going up against Megan uh, Nuchterline and... She gave up an infield single to Bomarito to start the game. They sacrificed her to second, and then it was strikeout, strikeout, and that's of Stevenson and Vossler. And then strikeout, 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 pop up to the catcher, strikeout, strikeout. <laughs> and they took her out of the game. So she pitched to 10 hitters, struck out seven, gave up an infield single, and, well, they didn't take her out of the game. They moved her to first base. Right, she, she continued well, to play, but they put a Dakota uh, had played three games earlier in the week. Yeah, so I don't know if that affected anything, but so they would change pitchers. But in the top of the fourth, after getting uh, the leadoff hitter out on a, on a pop up to short, the next batter, Jenna Higgins, the center fielder, hits a fly ball fifteen feet over Sierra Vosler's head in right field for a triple, and she was flying around the bases. So you got a runner at third now in a scoreless game where you you don't know that the other pitcher's coming out and she's mowing them down. So this is a pressure situation because if you give up a run here, that might be the difference between winning and losing today. Right. And you're facing the three and four hitters. 
She gets a ground ball to short where Stevenson is able to check the runner and hold it Mm -hmm. because she knew she had a slow runner going to first. And gun across, they get the out, and then strikes out the cleanup hitter on three pitches where the poor girl had no chance. This is the girl hitting fourth for the Dakota Cougars. And she carved her up like, why why did you even come to, to the plate? So we're still scoreless going into the bottom of the fourth. New pitcher, Maloney comes into the game, and I'm I'm going, oh, I'm surprised that they're changing pitchers here. First batter she faces, Reams. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. <laughs> go back to the dugout. And you go, oh. I'm like, oh, okay, they're fine. Yeah. Next batter, Ella Stevenson on a 2-2 pitch. She went down on her knees or went down and got a pitch at her knees and got the nine iron out and hit it about 30 feet over the left center field fence for the only run of the game. A It was not a cheap home run. She wailed on it. That made it one to nothing in the bottom of the fourth. After that, Algonac had uh, one more base runner the rest of the game against Maloney. That was a leadoff single uh, by Madison Grace in the uh, – fifth inning, and then she was uh, thrown out trying to steal a base. Um, Otherwise, Maloney ended up striking out seven in the four innings she pitched. But it's up to Kenna Bomarino now. She gets a one, two, three in the fifth. She strikes out the first batter in the uh, sixth and then uh, gives up uh, a single, which is only the second hit of the game she's she's given up uh, in the game so far. Wild pitches the tying run to second. So now we have an interesting situation. The leadoff hitter is up. With a tying run at second and one out, Uh, Brooklyn Plitz is her name. She's a left-hand slap hitter, and she slaps one right back up the middle. Mm -hmm. This ball's going into center field, Brady. Yeah. And if it gets through, my gut feeling is is the runner's going to score and the game's going to be tied. At worst, it's a bang-bang play. Yeah, Um, and the ball hit the base runner. Was she looking at the ball? Did she try to avoid it? It was just slapped through. It, It came real quick. And she was actually running. I don't think she ever saw the ball. Okay. And it's one of those things. As your leg kicks up behind you as you're running, it hit her on the ankle. So, dead ball, the yep. runner is out. Yep. And the batter gets first base, and actually, technically, it's a single. So, that was one of the three hits that Bomarito gave up. I'm sure that's easy to put in a game changer. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it is, too. Uh, and then... The runner tried to steal second to get into scoring position and gets gunned down by Ava Murray. So innings over. So we go to the seventh, still one nothing, uh, and she's got to get the two, three, four hitters. Strikeout, ground ball to short, strikeout, game over. Bomarito goes seven, gives up three hits, doesn't walk anybody, strikes out nine. That is this Dakota lineup. They have four left-hand hitters, five right-hand hitters. They kind of alternate them mm-hmm. through the – the line, I mean, it's not easy to, negav- to, to navigate through, and Bomarito kind of made it look easy. So my question for you after this, we have a lot of really good pitchers in the area, a lot of really good pitchers, but does this performance just cement, put a bullet in it, Kenna Bomarito's the best pitcher? This is year she, this year she, she just is. went up against Dakota and went seven scoreless innings, gave up three hits, and still struck out nine, which I think might be a season low for her. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a thing. But still, it's nine Dakota hitters. So to me, that's like striking out 18 for somebody else. So I'm sure. Um, I, I love Shoeboy and Dushetsky and Ludisher 
and I, w- w- the the list goes on. We've we've got a lot of great pitchers, but what Ken Abomarito is doing this year is dominant, and she has been the best game in and game out. Yeah, because uh, again, this is uh, the fourth or fifth time I've what's, seen her pitch. What's this been year. her worst game this year? Uh, the one run she gave up to Almont. Yeah, has she given up two? Well, how many did she give up in the Richmond? Well, series? In, in Richmond, she gave up runs, but again, she pitched both games in thirty degree weather with a wind chill worse than that, and struck out thirty three hitters. And Richmond can hit. Right. Richmond is a bat-on-ball team. You just saw him put up 21 against Cross-Lex. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, really, she hasn't had a bad game. So let, I haven't seen her pitch a bad because game. This, I haven't seen her really look human in any game. Because this, pitched. I mean, against Dakota, that's the best competition you can face. Theoretically, if you're number one in Division One, People think you're, you're going to win a state you're, championship. They're thinking you're the best team in the state. Yes. Or at least in the conversation of top three. Like, if there's a good team in D2 or D3, there's not four better than them. So you're saying arguably the best team in the state. She goes and gets nine strikeouts in seven innings, three hits, no walks, no earned. And Ella Stevenson hits another home run. Yeah. So just that one-two punch is elite. And Algonac gets the biggest statement win they could ask for. Yeah. So I, I just and, and the the coach came out to to take the flag down mm-hmm. in, in center field afterwards, and I was packing up because I sit out in the outfield there, um, and and walked by and just smiled and said, "A lot different team than you saw on Tuesday, right?" And I said, <laughs> "Well, certainly that second game Tuesday wasn't anything like this game, right?" <laughs> but that's. I mean, that's a statement win. If Algonac's not number one in the state in D3 after that, sorry, then the voters don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So that and, – and the other thing about it is I was posting a final score for my game, and you were probably like in the second or third inning of yours. See, and we was, started at I the was, same time. I was legitimately, I think, in the fourth or fifth. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, one other set of games that went on in the BWAC, Almont gets a sweep over a pesky MLA City team. And this doubleheader kind of exemplifies what MLA City is, especially against the top teams. Game one, they lose 12-2. Not very competitive. Brooklyn Bunch, three hits, a double, an RBI for Almont. Koenig had three hits, a double, three RBIs. Johnston doubled twice and recorded two RBIs. Kendall Roshevsky, a hit and two RBIs. Lauren Webster, two hits, a double, an RBI. MLA City did get uh, two hits, including a double from Yesenia Rojas and Hope Schreiber. Had a hit in two RBIs. But then in game two, MLA City just being pesky had to be walked off by Almont. Now, Almont's kind of played with fire a few times. I think they had to walk off Armada yeah. earlier in the year. And maybe against, was it Yale that they struggled a little bit with? Like, I think they had a one or two run game against Yale also. But Almont gets the 6 5 win. In game two, the walk-off was an inside-the-park home run to lead off the bottom of the seventh. Yeah, Brooklyn Bunch can fly around the bases. Now, I'm guessing that this game... It's, be- it's now, for me, it's between Bunch and Vite at Armada, uh, who's the fastest runner around well, the bases. Johnston, I think, is going to have an argument there as well, being the track star. She always she- only gets to third. <laughs> she never gets the inside the park. <laughs> Yeah, because when she gets around, she just has to trot. Um, so 
Dennis, this game was in MLA City. You've been there. That's not a very cavernous ballpark. Like to hit an inside the park home run. Yeah, I think it's two hundred all the way around. So, so yeah. what a fielder probably had to dive, probably and miss it. That's that. I would mean, be... I could see a gap shot. Still, there. an inside the park. It's really fast. I know, <laughs> but like on a clean gap shot, you're that's ridiculous speed. But MLA City fought hard. They fall short six to five. Brooklyn Bunch again. The two hits, the walk off inside the park home run. Koenig added two more doubles and a pair of RBIs. Johnston had a hit in an RBI. Roshevsky had a hit in an RBI. MLA City did have a little bit of extra base power. Natalie Stone and Bree Hunt each with doubles. Gabby Cremens had a triple, and Chloe Bruman recorded a pair of base knocks for the Spartans. Almont gets out of what we thought might have been a trap series. They survive. They keep pace with Algonac. But now, next week, going to be the fun pair of games against I think next week is North Branch, and the week after is Richmond. And all those uh, series, well, I don't know about North Branch. I think Richmond North is Branch at is home. in North Branch, and yeah. Richmond's at Almont. So now, probably have to go at worst 3-1, and because Algonac still has to go to North Branch. And that, you might get a split there, but you go 4-0, and all right, now maybe we're saying Almont should be number one in the state. You'd you'd have to make the argument, wouldn't you? If they go four and zero, I think you could make a very good argument in Division Three because they have a win Almont against Algonac, and that game was going to be a friggin' district semifinal. Yeah, yeah, that's well, we'll we'll get to that when we talk more in depth on on that show. But that's just, <laughs> like, legitimately. that. It, remember last year when we could have had Algonac-Richmond as a state semifinal? Yes. And we just were a bit short. I wish we could have Almont-Algonac as a potential state semifinal and just each of us follow one of them because that was a lot of fun last year. And, yeah, darn you, Millington. <laughs> Don't like you, Millington. Just and because, then they didn't even win it all, did they? Yeah, they did. Oh, did they? Yeah, because okay. they had well, to come back. At least you did that. Yeah. Bums. <laughs> <laughs> Taking away what we wanted, selfish. Um, also, real quick, we have to just one more minute. You look at the D two rankings, and sorry, we're getting a little disrespected in D two. North Branch, just an honorable mention. There's not ten better teams than North Branch. I don't think there's ten better teams than Richmond, who's also an honorable mention. St. Clair's in there, and no mention of Marysville. Yeah, just not there. That's wrong. Okay, cool. You're, I'm not saying they're going to do this again, but about this time two years ago, there was no mention of Marysville in the rankings, and then they ended up losing in the state title game. Yeah, so. they, they went to the state finals. Uh, Richmond went to the state finals and won. But Richmond was actually getting some love at that time. Yeah. But, yeah, come on. Come on. You're telling me that St. Clair, Richmond, and North Branch are only like the 13th and 15th best teams in the state? I don't. Neither, neither do I. But again, we—I don't see teams on the other side of the state, and I don't know. Okay, I will. Escanaba's number five. I'll put any of those four teams up against Escanaba. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna respect Escanaba. I know you like because they the, get to the semifinals. Yes, and they finals do. Pretty regular. Yes, they do. But I don't know what their path is was, every I'm, year. And yeah, that might be a little suspect. But um, anyway, <laughs> all right. Have a good weekend, everyone. We'll be back on Monday tonight. I have Marine City Roseville 
in baseball. Marine City can clinch a share of the Mac Gold title tonight, and you go back to the swamp. I'll, I'll be back at the swamp. It's the start of actually a tournament that will be completed on Saturday. So Brady and I will be in Algonac for four games Saturday, but the first game is tonight, and it's Marysville and Algonac. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So looking forward to that. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.